Hill Church exists to express a sacred story and to extend a common table that animate life by love. A primary expression of our sacred story is the weekly sermon. If our sermons inspire you to ponder the sacred, to consider the mystery and love of God, and to live bountifully, would you consider supporting our work? You can donate easily and securely at our website, pearlchurch.org, or follow the link in the podcast notes. Thank you for partnering with us in expressing this sacred story. My name is, oh, I think you can all sit down. Yeah. Why is everyone standing? Um, My name is Rachel Marble, uh, and I have the absolute pleasure of serving y'all as an oversight team member. Um, Although I wouldn't say it's the most pleasure to do this part of it, which um, I don't know who loves speaking in front of crowds, but if you do, congratulations, but you're in the minority. Um, I live in Forest Grove with my wife, Kylie, our daughter, Harriet, Uh, three wonderful roommates, our two doodles, and two cats. I'm a DIY enthusiast. If you're interested in knowing what house project I Googled and assumed I could do by myself next, follow me on Instagram. Um, I'm an amateur baker. I'm an ex-nurse who had a quarter-life crisis and went back to grad school twice. I love poetry, and I can't go a day without coffee. I'm the youngest oversight team member, and I don't say that because I deserve a prize. I am just telling you that um, to say that I am so humbled to serve alongside many folks who are much wiser and more qualified than me. As I was preparing for this, I looked back on my Instagram and poured through photos of the past nine years of my life. I know that sounds pretty millennial of me, but honestly, uh, Instagram is the closest thing to a journal that I've ever had. Journaling is always something I struggled with. To me, it feels like an agenda that's pushed on unsuspecting young women in the evangelical church. Like, if you don't wake up every morning and journal what the voices of the Lord is saying to you over a cup of coffee, I don't think you're doing it right. I can't tell you how many notebooks and journals I've bought over the years, using them for like a couple of days or so, and then losing them inevitably never to be found again. I'm 100% not standing up here and saying that if that is life-giving to you, it's wrong or unimportant. I'm just saying it's not for everyone. So back to Instagram. I'm a visual person, so I thought I would take you all along on this story through that lens. Nine years ago, I was living in Athens, Georgia. I moved in with some friends after unexpectedly ending a two-year service commitment in the Peace Corps after only 21 days. If you want more on that story, find me later. (laughs) At that point, I held pretty tightly to the conservative values and theology that were handed to me in my Methodist upbringing. I knew there were things about my beliefs that weren't really working for me, but they were comfortable. I think one thing that defined my faith up until this point was that I never really felt like I could be myself. 
just like, just me wasn't enough. I needed to strive to be different, better somehow, in order for God to like me. I never heard God's voice. Was I doing something wrong? A few years later, I was in the same place. And at this point, I was 26, single, and obviously straight. I had spent most of my 20s yearning for my other half, really believing that was a goal I needed to strive towards. And after years and years of pining for a husband, I had just been on the first few dates of my life after signing up for Match.com. And honestly, I wasn't super impressed. Like, maybe after all this time I was wrong. Maybe singleness is the best thing for me. I'd also just completed a master's degree in historic preservation, and with no prospects for a job lined up, I needed a summer off from my life. So, of course, when I got an email from a random listserv I signed up for back in nursing school saying that a summer camp in the remote Northwoods of Wisconsin needed a camp nurse, I said, count me in. It was owned by Wheaton College, which I'd never heard of, and located in Wisconsin, which I'd never set foot in my life. But I thought, Jesus, camp in the woods? Sounds like my kind of place. Friends, let me tell you, it was my kind of place. I know there are a lot of beautiful places in the world, but words cannot express the amount of beauty I experienced during my time in the Northwoods. The landscape was breathtaking. There were brilliant sunsets each night over Long Lake, tall trees and meandering trails for long walks in the woods, hiking out to bogs with giant lily pads floating calmly on the dark surface, hiding the depths underneath, canoeing out to Beaver Island at dusk, looking out over the warm glow of the mossy ground from a small treehouse fort built there. And it was quiet, so quiet and far from real life that you could really hear yourself think. You could sit and hear the leaves shaking in the birch trees as the wind blew across the lake. You could hear the waves lapping up against the dock clearing away at the old wood. And eventually, if you were quiet enough, you could hear God speak, quietly, calmly, welcoming you in and saying, this beauty is for you. But it wasn't just the scenery. The scenery came with a community that for the first time in maybe my entire life, I felt really a part of, really included in. I felt at home there. And in the midst of that, I fell in love in the most unexpected way, and I came out to myself, lying on a dock in the sun, feeling like I had just shattered my reality to pieces. But in putting it back together, I discovered that it fit together better than it ever had. How had I not considered this before? Looking back, after a lot of reflecting, it makes more sense. The narrative that said, you can be gay and love Jesus, and it's not one or the other, and there's no rule written on a tablet somewhere that says, my sexuality precludes me from divine love, just wasn't anything I'd heard before. It was always, pray the gay away, change yourself, and you can be redeemed. It's hard to see being queer as an identity you hold 
when you're fully aware that that identity won't be tolerated in your community. I left that summer and I went home. I returned to Georgia to what I thought was my community before leaving for the summer and coming home discovered what it really meant to hide parts of yourself in order to belong. My church was not affirming, nor was really anyone that I knew that was involved in a church. It was easier to hide in plain sight and keep parts of myself from others than lose them entirely. The next summer, after finishing another master's degree, I know I'm overeducated and underqualified for most things. I, again, did not have any job prospects and knew that it was time to get out of the South. So I headed back to the Northwoods, knowing that I would be in the same situation I was back home as far as hiding in the closet, but at least I'd be in a place that I honestly feel in a lot of ways is magical. It didn't disappoint. I had another summer full of beauty. I met new friends and I got to reconnect with old ones. It was exactly what I needed after a tough year of coming to terms with my sexuality and figuring out how that fit into my relationship with the Lord. That summer, I heard someone talk about the Israelites and their time in the desert. I hadn't really thought much about manna before that, but honestly, and honestly like how strange the whole thing is, God rained manna from heaven. My friend drew a picture during that sermon of uh, loaves of bread raining from the sky, and that's all I can really imagine now thinking of manna. But the takeaway was that God gave them just what they needed, nothing more and nothing less. They couldn't hoard the manna to store it up for later or it would spoil. God met their need in that moment, and they were fed. Honey Rock was manna to me. It fed me and it nourished me in a time that I needed it. And for that reason, I'll always have a place for it in my heart. But for those of you who caught it early in this story, you remember that Honey Rock is owned by Wheaton College. If you don't know anything about Wheaton, I'll clear it up for you. It's not affirming, nor is it welcoming of queer folks. I still found myself hiding in plain sight, knowing that at any moment, if the wrong person decided it was a problem that I was there, I wouldn't be anymore. By the time my second summer ended, my now wife, then friend, who similarly has a loving place in her heart for Honey Rock, got hired on there uh, as their uh, a coordinator for their gap year program and found herself back in the Northwoods. Shortly after, we realized we had feelings for each other and we decided to start dating. Of course, it was in secret, my hand on her knee under the dinner table, small smiles across the room, and we thought no one was looking. I had moved to Chicago, and I would go visit as often as possible. The Northwoods really is magical in the fall and in a different way in the winter, too. Kylie loved her job. She got paid to hang out with college-age students, mentoring them, and just doing life together. She came out to them one by one, and she wasn't pushing any agendas, just wanting to be honest with people about who she was. Meanwhile, I was freezing to death in Chicago, um, dying a little inside each time as I had to step outside in, you know, negative temperatures, which I'd never experienced before in my life. I was working as a barista, and I'd already made plans to be back at Honey Rock for the summer. And then one night in January, I got a call from Kylie. In tears, she told me 
she'd been fired. A parent had found out she was gay, and the program was head to, uh, due to head out for a mission trip in a few weeks. But where would Kylie be sleeping? Certainly not anywhere near their daughter. Just pack your things and go this weekend. Your beliefs, your existence, violate our community covenant, and you aren't welcome here. Five of us piled in the car in Chicago, and we got there as fast as we could. We helped her pack her things, navigating the goodbyes. Well, no one really said the real reason she was leaving. I remember driving away, Kylie and I, her Subaru Rosie packed with her belongings, knowing we would never go back. A place we had both called home. Kylie spent the next month in Chicago, staying with friends, figuring out what to do, and as soon as I caught my breath, I emailed my resignation from my summer position, citing only my sexuality as the reason. Eventually, uh, Kylie decided to go back home to Oregon, and she got a job as a chimney sweep. Yeah, they still have those. <laughs> Why don't you come, she said. Oregon's pretty far from Chicago. Why not, I said. We each made our way out here. Kylie first, who landed back home with her parents and eventually with friends. A month later, I got a job in Hillsboro as a city planner after struggling in Chicago for months and months to find a job in my field of study. I found an apartment in St. John's and I started my job and I found that I was thriving. Manna. After a Google search of churches, I found one in Southeast that looked vaguely progressive, and although I couldn't tell from the website if it was affirming or not, it seemed like it could be, so I went. My first Sunday there, a woman at the greeting table pretty aggressively took time to introduce me to folks, and she got my phone number, she invited me to her small group, and she even followed up a few days later by text. Honestly, she's kind of my church greeting table hero and we're still friends. I felt very welcomed. Although I just didn't have it in me when meeting her that first day to tell her I had a girlfriend. I started going regularly to both the church and the small group, and I found great friendship. But after a little while, the pastor wanted to meet with us to talk. And it became clear that we were welcome to attend but we wouldn't ever be welcome to serve in a leadership capacity. And if we got married, our marriage wouldn't be supported by the pastoral staff. We were welcome, but not included. So I turned to social media. I joined the Queer Christian Fellowship, then Gay Christian Network Facebook page for the Pacific Northwest, and I put out an all call. The city is so gay. Surely there was an affirming church here. <laughs> Pearl Church, they said. Go check it out. We walked into Good Friday service that year, and it was an experiential service with stations, and Mike was the welcoming committee. We stepped up on the landing right outside. Kylie saw Mike, and immediately she turned to me, looking a little worried. Right out of high school, <laughs> right out of high school, Kylie had attended Equal Bible School for two years out on the coast uh, in Cannon Beach. Again, conservative Christian institution not affirming. Baby, she said. That guy was one of my professors at Ecola. I don't think this church is affirming. But 
Mike welcomed us in with open arms. It was quickly clear, getting to know Pearl, that we were welcome here. Not only were we welcome, we were included. We were represented in the pastoral staff. We didn't have to hide any parts of who we were. And eventually when we got married, our marriage was upheld and supported by this community. We were included. That summer, I went to my first pride parade. For a few hours, I found myself surrounded by thousands of folks who were just there to celebrate people like me, my community. It was brilliant. There were rainbows on everything, drag queens, trimet buses decked to the nines, people in a lot of clothes, people in not as many clothes. Everyone was welcome. Everyone had a place. Even the people who disagreed held different views. Even they had a place, a corral where they could stand and wave their signs. But the theme of the day rang true. You are welcome here and you are celebrated. We found Pearl at a time in our lives where it meant everything to feel safe in a space, to feel like all parts of you are welcome. All parts of you are included. We found folks like us searching for a place that they could truly call home without the fear that they would be asked to change or leave. We found folks who'd been here for years, folks who had stood with this community as it made space to include more and more ideas and more and more people. We found folks who weren't sure at all what to think, having decided that the beliefs they held for so long were no longer working for them. Ultimately, we found community in this church and inclusion in this church after walking away from or being forced to leave other communities for just being us. Nana. A few years later, we got married. The day was everything I imagined and more. It was a big party and it was just so much joy packed into one day. We got to meet with Mike before we got married, talking about anything and everything, just going into the next chapter of our lives, getting to know one another better. We had an amazing rehearsal dinner hosted by Dan and Sherry, um, wonderful um, chosen family. Kylie and I walked down the aisle and there to meet us at the other end was Brian. So many of you were there cheering us on. Pearl Church was with us and celebrated us every step of the way. And now, we're moms. We have Harriet, and she is just such a gift. She's teaching us how to love another person more than we thought ever possible. And we are so, so grateful to have a community that will welcome her in, that will say to her, you are loved, you are wanted all parts of you, everything that you are. You are supported here, you are cared for here. We will cheer you on and we will be your safe space to grow. Pearl Church, my prayer for us as we look forward out of the last year and a half, out of what has been the most uncertain time in many of our lives is this, one thing is certain. Extending our arms further 
opening them wide and making space for all people and all parts of ourselves is an expression of divine love. Truly creating space for everyone at this table is something that I am certain when we walk through those pearly gates, God will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Will you pray with me? Gracious Father, thank you for your table. We ask that you would continue to open our hearts to others, making space for all to feel at home here. We ask that you would teach us to love you more and teach us to love one another more. this sermon inspired you to ponder the sacred, to consider the mystery and love of God, and to live bountifully. If you don't already support our work, will you begin today? You can donate easily and securely at our website, pearlchurch.org, or follow the link in the podcast notes. Thank you for partnering with us in expressing this sacred story.